The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm thrilled that you chose to spend this time learning the Word of God, also just pressing into His Spirit and what He has for you. We've taken two weeks off the Gospel of Luke as a church. Uh, we, I was gone one week. We have Father's Day last week. I hope all of those weeks were good for you. But we are jumping back in now to Luke chapter 13, 31 through 35. This is an interesting passage because there's a group of people, a group of Pharisees specifically, that come to Jesus and they warn him. They say, hey, there's a madman. His name's Herod. He is trying to kill you. That's, that's what he wants to do. He wants you out of the picture and you need to heed our warning and you need to run. And as we see their warning, Jesus' answer in the next few verses is actually a little complicated. But as we unpack it today, I want us to understand the one thing we are going to see so clearly from Jesus. He knew his purpose. He knew the reason for which he was here on this earth. He knew the reason why he needed to die. That's you and me and our sins and our ability to be with our heavenly father. He knew that and no amount of warning, no amount of fear was going to push him off of that purpose. And as we unpack these verses today, I just want to remind us all that God is in control. Jesus is enough. And if you're sitting here today thinking, boy, I just feel like I'm drifting. I don't know why God has me here. I want you to know this. He did not create a mistake. He made you for a purpose. That purpose is his glory. And as we read these words today, I hope it just encourages you to know that Jesus lived this out and we can as well, regardless of the words that we're hearing in our ears or in front of us on a screen. So as we jump in, Jesus shows us how dedicated he is to his purpose. Luke chapter 13, verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place. He's in Perea right now. He's doing a quick jaunt around there before he goes to Jerusalem to die. So they say, leave this place and go somewhere else. They don't tell him where. Just get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. Herod Antipas was a nut job. History records just truly how crazy this man is. He has a small ruling control over a section of Palestine. He's not a big dog. He's middle management in the Roman Empire, but he loves the power that he has. He's notoriously crazy. He ordered the execution of John the Baptist because he was alarmed by that man's fame, how people were going to follow him. He wanted that attention. He wanted that fame. So when John the Baptist called him out for a marriage that should have never happened, he had the man killed, literally beheaded. But, but, despite all this, there's a possibility, there's a possibility here that the Pharisees who came to Jesus to warn him, they're not the good ones. We know from the New Testament, there were a handful of good Pharisees. Nicodemus was one of them people that truly believed in Jesus and wanted the best for him. I do not think this is a group of these Pharisees. I think these Pharisees want to do whatever they can to get Jesus out of their region. 
They're ruining their synagogue gatherings. They're taking their, Jesus is taking their congregants from them. And so they come with this story of, hey, Herod's going to kill you. And it makes sense. It's plausible. And they say, we don't care where you go. You just need to get out of here to save your own life. And so they tease him with that. And and I'm not sure which one is true, but I, I do know this. Herod absolutely was crazy. But on the Friday before Jesus was crucified, not the Friday before, the Friday Jesus was crucified, Herod had an audience with Jesus, and all he wanted Jesus to do was perform tricks for him. So that could have been part of the craziness. I'm not really sure. But apparently, he did not necessarily need him dead in that moment. He just wanted him to come be the life of the party. I think these Pharisees were desiring for Jesus to be gone. Now, There's one more element to this, though. Herod is so crazy that he thought Jesus was actually John the Baptist reincarnate. He thought it was John the Baptist right there, back from the dead, the man he'd killed, coming back to life. Matthew 14, 1 through 2, it says, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and that's why his miraculous powers are at work in him. So clearly this guy's not all firing on one cylinder. I mean, he, he, is, he is truly struggling. But regardless of whether the Pharisees want Jesus gone, whether Herod wants Jesus gone, Jesus has spoken this message, this plot to get him out of the region. And he says, clearly, I know your hearts. I'm going to answer you accordingly because I have one purpose. And there's no amount of talk that's going to push me off of my purpose. Luke chapter 13, verse 32. Jesus replied, go tell that fox. Now we have to be careful here. Luke recorded this 2,000 years ago. We've all heard that term, sly as a fox, thinking that wise old fox. Like That's not what Jesus is saying here. In the first century, a fox was an insignificant schemer. So that, just read it that way. You go tell that insignificant schemer that I will keep on driving out demons, I'll keep on healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day, that's when I will reach my goal. Obviously an allusion to the three days in the tomb and the resurrection. But as we unpack this, I want you to see that Jesus actually uses the feminine term for fox here. And I don't think he's trying to be snarky or rude. I don't think Jesus does that because he created men and women in his image. There's no greater sex than the other. So he's not trying to demean Herod by calling him a female fox. I think honestly what he's saying here is you go tell Herod and his wife, who was the sober one, who wasn't the crazy one, who most people believed at that time was actually calling all the shots. You go tell her, I'm not leaving. I'm gonna be here today. And I'm here tomorrow. Those are immediate. I, I have a purpose and a plan for the very foreseeable future. But then on the third day, not necessarily chronologically, but on the third day, then I will fulfill my goal, my purpose. I've got to do it. No one is going to stop me from doing it. My mission is so clear. So guys, Pharisees, thanks for the heads up. I appreciate the warning. I I really do. 
But it's not going to change who I am. It's not going to change what I'm doing. The will of God for my life is not in jeopardy. And church, that is a huge point for us to understand. That is a massive sermon point for today. God will accomplish his will with or without you. And that's your choice. Do you want to be a part? Do you want to be the vessel that he uses for his will to be accomplished here on this earth? Do you want to be a vessel that glorifies God, whether it be for common purposes or noble purposes? Are you willing to allow God to use you and your life? And I pray and I hope that the answer to that question is yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me. What do you need from me? Jesus could have run. He could have heard those words and go, I got to get out of here. But he didn't. He didn't go into hiding. He didn't take a break. His purpose was too important. We get one shot, church, at this life. We get one shot. And I hope that you are chasing after things and goals that matter the most. Because we live in a world, specifically in a culture in America, where money and comfort and success, those are all easy goals to strive for. Not necessarily attain, but to strive for. They feel good. But they're not the things that matter the most. And Jesus knew that I I can run and find comfort. I can go and hide and be safe. But that's not what matters the most. What matters the most is love and truth and sacrifice and putting God number one. And Jesus knew that and he would not back down. Whether those Pharisees were trying to be friends or foes, it didn't matter because Jesus knew his God-given purpose He knew the reason for which he had been sent to this earth and it was to show love and preach truth through sacrifice, putting God first. And so he he reiterates his goal. Luke chapter 13, verse 33. In any case, whether he's coming after me or not, in any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. Just that repeat of that three-day period. For surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Now this is difficult for us to understand because we need to gather 2,000 years of Old Testament history where God sent prophet after prophet. A prophet is someone that comes to speak on behalf of the Lord. And time after time as those prophets came and spoke to the people of God, the people of God chose to reject renounce and destroy those prophets. And oftentimes it happened in Jerusalem. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, I have a purpose, I have a goal. I am one who comes and speaks on behalf of God, but my life will not end hiding somewhere outside of Perea. My life will end in Jerusalem because no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. It's poetic, It's actually quite beautiful when you see it in context, but it's also very true. And Jesus knew this. Jesus' words here are full of heartache. I have some work left to do. And I'm sure Herod wants me dead. But I don't need your warning. 
I'm heading to the place where I should be received. I'm heading to Jerusalem where I should be welcomed with open arms, but instead that's where I will lay down my life for the sins of the world. That, that's where it's going to happen. I know this, and, and it doesn't bother me. I don't fear today or tomorrow or the next day because I know my destination. Church, that is a very powerful way to live life. I don't fear today or tomorrow or the next day because I know my destination. I know where God is taking me and I trust him because I believe that he is in control and I believe that his son is enough. The sadness Jesus was feeling about Jerusalem pours out in the last two verses. Luke chapter 13, 34 and 35. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Now, this is a geographical city, but it also represents the people of God, the Israelites, the Jews, whatever you want to call them. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets, those that God sends for your benefit, you stone those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together, the people of God, the children of God, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And yet you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. It, it, it'll still exist, but it'll be empty. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now note that Jesus is nowhere near Jerusalem when he says these words, but he's feeling every word he speaks. Oh, you guys are going to miss it. Your history precedes you. When God sends a messenger, when God sends help, and when God sends hope, you don't like that because you like your life, so you destroy them. Yet, yet with my death in Jerusalem, here in just two months, with my death, I will gather those who are not tainted by religion or hate. The Pharisees who will never come under my wing because they're too self-righteous. Those who actually want to be with me, I, I will gather them. And for the rest of you, those who miss the boat, all I can do is weep. All I can do is feel sorrow because you had every chance. You had every opportunity. And then, not to mention, the opportunity missed. In just a few years, about 40 years from this point, in 70 AD, the city of Jerusalem will be destroyed. A Roman general named Titus will besiege the city. He will cut off the water supply. He will go in and literally, stone by stone, tear down the temple of God. He'll become emperor of Rome because of it, making him so famous. It's an ugly picture of what happens when people are unwilling to repent, unwilling to turn to the one true God, choosing instead their own comfort, their own security, their own wealth, their own fame. And God says, I, I had an option for you. And for some, I was able to gather them under my wing. But Everyone else, those who chose to renounce me, there will come a day. There will come a day when they see me for who I am. And Jesus quotes here Psalm 118, verse 26. 
You won't see me again until the day when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, now that day will actually come here in two months. The Sunday before Jesus is crucified on Friday, we call it the triumphal entry. We call it Palm Sunday. Those people from Jerusalem will line the streets, tear down palm branches, and as Jesus rides into town on a donkey, they'll cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They will praise him as he enters into their city, thinking he's coming as a conquering king. But he gets there, he looks around, he turns around and he leaves. And five days later, those same people will scream, crucify him. Because we want our God to operate according to our purpose. We want our God to do for us according to our will. But we have that backwards. Our God, creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who is for you, and he proves that by sending his son to die for you. Our God desires that his purpose and his will be our driving desire. And so what I think Jesus is actually referring to by quoting Psalm 118.26 is what happens in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God will exalt him to the highest place and give him the name that is above every name. And at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a day coming where all men and women will see Jesus for who he truly is. And we'll make that declaration of faith, but for those who choose on this side, this side of Jesus' return to this earth, those who choose to make that same declaration without the clouds having to part, without Jesus having to return with, with the trumpet sounding, those who make that decision now, they will receive the blessing that comes from the love of the Father. Jesus is dreaming about a day when many, even Jews, will place their faith in him. When the games will be over, when the time has come and gone, and all that's left is the decision of man to reject or follow. Jesus was dreaming about a day where that would occur. And today can be that day for you. I just ask, what will your decision be? As we close today, as we pray, the religious leaders didn't want to know or, or to have anything to do with Jesus. So they wanted him gone. He was cramping their style. I just wonder, is that you? And you have to be honest with yourself because you're, you're obviously watching church online right now. So, so maybe, maybe that's not you, but is what Jesus calls you to in your life, is, is that more than you're really, really willing to give? Or do you see him as the son of God and accept him as Lord of your life and know that you must surrender to him? Is that a decision that you've made? And if not, I would beg you to make that decision today. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's done all the hard work for you. He just wants your heart. And if you're struggling today, then 
my final suggestion is that you pray. Is that you pray for the ability to see the truth. I, I don't know if there were games being played between Herod and the Pharisees on this day. Jesus does. I, I don't. But the reality is you have to be able to see the truth and you have to be able to know the truth and you have to be able to respond to the truth. And I know that the Holy Spirit can allow you to do that. If you want us to join in that prayer with you, just let us know. Summitonline.tv forward slash prayer. Let us know how we can be praying for you. There's nothing more important in your life than your decision to make Jesus Lord. And so we want to walk with you through that. I think he is more, more than proven that he is worthy to be called the Son of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And I hope today you'll make him Lord of your life. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the fact that you give us purpose, that you show us purpose through the life of your son. I pray that we would put our faith and our trust in him as the one who saves. God, we need you. We desire your move in our life and in our church. So come and move freely for your glory. See your name we pray. Amen.